insurance agents from around the world. You are listening and watching the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome my friend, Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. However, you changed your intro, so explain to everybody why you said listening and watching. Brandon told me to. No, no the actual reason. Oh, because uh, we are live. won't be watching it live when it comes out, I guess, but we are on YouTube mm-hmm. and video format, which I wanted four or five years ago to start doing and because of this that and the other we just couldn't do it and it's hard it is hard to do it if we did it i wanted to do it right and Correct. doing it right in case you guys are wondering brandon how much does that camera cost so we've got about eight thousand dollars worth of cameras and no telling how many other thousand for us to do it right right so but we are focusing on youtube now if you guys want to be in the studio right. uh, just search the insurance guys podcast on youtube please subscribe we may do something cool for you if you subscribe that would be and, cool. And pick ring, and pick ring one the lucky bell. guest and send them $10,000 cash. Maybe not that, but we might send 10,000 Coles bucks. Send them uh, a can of WD-40 uh, silicone spray. Make sure you add that silicone to the end of that. I've got an idea. Uh, Jason Cass will send them $10,000. That is the, the best, most, per, yeah. best idea you ever come up with. Yeah. yeah. If you subscribe to our podcast and ring the bell, Jason Cass will send you 10000 But no, please subscribe. We put a lot of effort into it, and we would actually appreciate any comments or feedback on how we can make it better. So. Absolutely. Guys, the mission of this podcast each and every week is to move the ball one step forward to greatness for you guys so that you can live the life that Bradley Flowers and Scott Howell know know for a 1,000% fact that you deserve to live. That is the mission of this podcast. And the only reason we exist is to help you agents each and every week. Now, before we get started, I have a rock star guest on today. He is a less than scratch agent, which are my favorite people to interview on this podcast because I know that they are working their ass off every single day to get to that five-year mark and then the ball starts going downhill instead of uphill. So I want to come bring him on and introduce him in just a minute. But before I do, he was a professional basketball player. He was a collegiate division one athlete and basketball player. And I have a hilarious story to tell Bradley. Okay. You, you two, know, you teased these stories and you, you kind of held back a little bit. So, so two weeks ago, Clinton Orr and I are at a investor real estate conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Fake our, busy. Our hotel is two blocks from the Suns arena where they play. He is in the conference talking to one of the investors who starts telling him that Sunday, this is Thursday, Sunday, he is going to go to the Phoenix Suns-Denver Nuggets game. Mm. Clint comes to me on Sunday morning, and he says, Scott, we need to go to this Phoenix Suns-Denver Nuggets game tonight. Let's jump on StubHub and get some tickets. Well, it was about 10.30 or 11 in the morning, and we were about to go grab some lunch and watch a little NFL football. And I said, I'll tell you what, because we kind of kept going back and forth about it. And I said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's eat lunch. 
let's eat lunch and marinate on this for a minute. And if we still want to do it this afternoon, we'll jump on StubHub, get some really good tickets, and we'll go. We'll go to the game tonight. Two blocks from our hotel. In the meantime, sometime between eleven a.m. and when we were going to do this, Clint runs into the guy that was talking about going to the game that night. And Clint says, hey, Scott and I are thinking about getting on StubHub and getting some tickets for this Phoenix Suns. Uh, it was the Clippers. And it turns Clippers. out it was open tryouts. Uh, what? Listen, it, gets, <laughs> it gets better. And the guy kind of looks at him funny and he goes, well, actually, I'm leaving right now. I'm, I'm in the lobby to catch an Uber to go to my private plane. I, I'm going to the game in L.A. tonight. <laughs> we, we were about to spend <laughs> five or $600 on NBA tickets. For a game that was 560 miles away in Los Angeles. What would you have done? I don't know. You should have. If it was his plane, you should have asked to go with no, him. That would, how would we get back? I don't know. I would have figured it out. No, I'm not asking somebody that I don't really know to get on their damn plane. I'm not doing that. <laughs> if he was cool, and I know he wasn't cool, if he was cool, he'd yeah. have been like, come on, hop on. Come on. It wow. was probably a, it was probably a four-seat Cessna, Cessna, and I'd have been back in the luggage uh laying down in the luggage in the back of it. By, by the way, on a podcast about six or eight weeks ago, I talked about my two buddies that sure. that were buying a Cessna. Right. They just bought a much nicer, not a private jet, but like close, pretty close. Right. And I had an opportunity to go in with them, and I did consider it because they were financing it, so it wouldn't have been a ton of big chunk of money up front, but I did not. So I almost bought a plane this week, last oh. week. I'm sure Laurel would have she, loved that. She was not for. She was against it. She was not for it. And the decision had to be made like right then, yesterday. I yeah, need seventy five thousand yeah. dollars tomorrow. No, it was. It was. It wouldn't have been any. It would have been. I think the down payment was ten k. Mm. Uh, it was like a three hundred thousand dollar plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was three. It was three guys. And I don't have plane money. It was three guys and one guy backed out basically. But. I just, man, you only hear about small planes crashing. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about jets and like, and I'm like, man, I just, I would rather be inconvenienced at the airport than die early. I I don't disagree with you. you. I'm telling you right now, for all of you uh, insurance agents listening out there that travel a pretty good bit, that damn Delta Lounge is a game changer. Oh my gosh. That is a game changer. Shout out to Wesley Anderson. Wesley Anderson took me to the Delta Lounge for my first time a couple months ago. If you go, you'll always go. You'll figure go because if you get that American Express Platinum card, you go for free. You go for free. Well, it's like it's kind of like first class too. When you fly first class, the hardest plane ride of your life is the the flight after you fly first class for the first time and you're in coach and you got to walk to the back of the plane and sit by the bathroom. And you're like, gosh, so much better up there. If the number of insurance conferences continue to grow that will not allow Scott Howell to attend their conference because he's pissed them off so much, I may not have to worry about it. The only conference I may be going to is the one on Pine Ridge Road right behind our house because well, that's won't about get where we are for the that. One City World Tour. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm about to die. Guys, we have an all-star guest today, and I want to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. And there is no person on this planet that I enjoy talking to more on this podcast than guys that are in the foxhole right now trying to build a business. Let me, I have been exactly where you sit today. I know what it's like. I know how much work it is. I know how frustrating it is. I know what you're going through. 
I know that there are days when you probably wake up and you think, my God, is this ever going to get better? It will get better. I promise. It is like everything else in life, though. If if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? That's right. So without further ado, I want to give him the introduction that he has always deserved. He is originally from Georgetown, Kentucky, and he currently resides in Lexington, Kentucky. He is married to the beautiful Brittany, and they have one beautiful baby, Cameron. He is a graduate of Marshall University in business management, where he also was a four-year letterman for Marshall University. And then he also graduated from Dublin Business School with an MBA in marketing while playing professional basketball in Dublin, Ireland. After his playing career ended, he started working at a staffing agency where he was fortunate to learn a lot about the working world and met his now, I'm sorry, I said wife. I guess it's fiance. My apologies. Now wife. Okay. Oh, now, wife. now wife. My he apologies. held his ring up for there us you to go. see it. If you subscribed on YouTube, you would see that. Exactly. You know. <laughs> he entered into a sales role at Allstate during that time frame. And he started to enjoy insurance and helping people with finding better policies. His business mind started working and he decided that he wanted to build a business and do it himself. So in 2021, he officially launched Integrity Insurance Group. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome. It is my profound honor today, truly profound honor today to introduce first-time guest on the IGP, but it will not be his last, Mr. Tamron Manning. How are you, Tamron? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing the best, brother. I got a question for you. Go ahead, man. We both played college ball. I was a point guard. I'm assuming uh, – I don't see it on here. I'm guessing you're small forward. Is that right? I played the point, man. Did you play the point? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I played at Birmingham Southern. The starting point guard – for Birmingham Southern when I was there was a young man by the name of Danny Servick. Danny is the owner of Pro One Sports and for some period of time had about half of Europe. Uh, he was their their manager. He was their agent. I was going to see if you knew Danny or if you'd ever run across Pro One Sports while you were, I guess, negotiating contracts to play over in Dublin. I know Pro One Sports, but I did not know the owner. Okay, um, it's actually a cool story. But yes, I do know how big Pro One Sports is in the in the Europe basketball community. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of kids that were over there. I think he's moved on now and is focused more on developing talent in the states uh, and representing a lot of high level high school players that are jockeying for position to get ACC scholarships, SEC scholarships, stuff like that. He's NIL kind of, stuff. He's probably yeah, high school's the main, yeah. high school's the pot right now. That's where you want to be. That's it. Can yep. they do NIL deals in, in high school? I have not. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So Tamron, let's start from the start. I want this as two big old boys in the DeLorean right now. Go back in time. We graduate from Marshall. We've played four years of college ball. Kind of take us back to that being in Dublin, which, by the way, kudos to you from going over there and, and being a part of that culture for a time uh, and getting to do something you love while you're over there, too. But take us back in time of like when you started kind of figuring out this insurance thing and bring us up to today. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on here. What a great podcast you all have built. So I'm definitely 
honored to be on here. But to take you back to those days, man, I had no thoughts of what I was doing after basketball yet. Um, sure. I got my, I did get my MBA. That was kind of some after basketball kind of things. Right. But honestly, man, I was so basketball focused from the age of probably like nine to 24, just yep. so locked in on trying to get to the highest level possible. I almost was like at a disservice because my whole, I didn't work at all. The only work I did was like basketball. So I'm training all summer and doing all this stuff, playing games during the season. So I didn't have that like real world work experience uh, growing up. All I knew was just work hard on the court, get good grades and everything else will take care of itself. So jumping into having to get a job um, and figure out what goes on in the real world. It was tough, man. It was really tough just figuring out my landing spot and where I would fit in. Uh, because as you all know, playing sports yourself, the difference between like playing a sport and then like working for somebody and having a boss and having to do all these different things is very drastic. Right. Um, as you all know. So I'm I'm learning all this stuff and I'm figuring it out. And then I'm so blessed to land in insurance, man, because the parallels, which we'll talk about throughout the podcast, but the parallels of insurance and uh, sports and and just business and sports is, mm-hmm. is so seamless, man. So I was so lucky to land in insurance. And here I am today, man, owning an insurance agency, trucking along year go. two um year one going into year two so it's been a it's been a whirlwind man how much do you attribute your success to your playing days and and how often do you draw on experiences when you're in certain situations in the business world this came up last week I went to a, a an advisory council meeting with a carrier and it was me and and two buddies and and we all realized we all kind of stuck together we all realized at the end of the first day we all three played college sports mm-hmm. um I played golf and those two played football and I had a, my coach was like 85 years old and I didn't have that real like motivational you know it, uh, we were talking about like halftime speeches and right. pregame speeches and I was talking about how I struggle sometimes motivating my team during like team meetings so like giving him this real rah-rah speech because if you ever heard me speak i'm not a real rah-rah speaker i'm very like do this do this do this thank you guys and i said i wished i played more football because i could draw from some of those spe- you know what i mean yeah. like, like how often do you like do you like go back to your playing days when you're trying to do certain things in the business world I would say every day because the biggest thing is just the the motivation to do something that you may not get immediate results from. So mm-hmm. like with basketball, you do all this training and you do all this stuff, and especially once I graduated from college, I had no idea where I was going to land professionally. So I, I was doing a lot of training. I was getting up at like 6 a.m. on my own. I didn't have a coach at that time. So there was like a four and a half month span where I didn't have a coach or anybody telling me I needed to go to the gym or I needed to work out. So I was working out really, I was almost working out harder without anybody mm-hmm. coaching me or making me do it just so I could get to the point of playing professionally. And when I got the opportunity, I was ready for the opportunity. I think that was the main thing. So I do that now, basically with stuff. And it's been a it's been a, a whirlwind with 
that kind of thing. So I would say that just the motivation you need to uh, continue to do things when you don't see the immediate result from it, um, which insurance is like the, I guess, the, the catalyst to that, because you may work on a policy that you don't get sold right away. It may take a couple of weeks or it may take a month or you may get them. Well, well not only home. that, you really, the, the money in this business is from the residuals, not the first year commission too. So it's exactly. a long tail, but, but it's like we, and we talk about this off the air, like, there's a lot of really good producers and agency owners that are former college athletes. I mean, you look at like Jag Insurance, all three of those guys are former college athletes. I think Doug played uh, football and the other two guys played played uh, baseball. Correct. Yeah. You played basketball. You played basketball. I, I, what, do you, what do you think the reason for that I, is? I think and I, I know think you've thought about this. I have. I have. And Tamron's right. I think there's that work ethic part of that. Uh, they say that the, and I, I did not play at the professional level, but they say, and, and I think Tamara's kind of, kind of just alluded to this, the hardest thing about moving from collegiate sports does not matter the sport to the professional ranks is when you get drafted by the Miami dolphins, there ain't nobody telling you to get up. Mm. There, mm-hmm. There's not an assistant coach or a GA yeah. knocking on your door going, <laughs> hey, we got workouts in 15 minutes, buddy. You better be up. Right. And yeah. I think you, you see it time and time again with kids that move from college to the pros. We kind of talked about this with insurance agents at lunch today. They yeah. need that structure. Yeah. they yes. need Some people do. They yeah. need Nick Saban to have his three GAs. To to make sure, okay, everybody's got we got the the, the wide receiver meeting at, at one o'clock today, but you got to be in the weight room at eleven thirty or seven a.m. I, I remember I had a friend that that was a uh, some kind of assistant at she was a student at mm-hmm. Auburn in twenty ten, and her job was to make sure Cam Newton made it to class hundred percent. So that he could stay you, eligible. I, I, he had a, I, I, he had a like a credit card type thing, or I guess it was student ID, and he would swipe the student ID on her on her thing, <laughs> and that would let them know correct that he, he was there. Class. Let me tell you something. Cam Newton ain't the Lone Ranger. No, I, I know. Oh, I, no, I guarantee yeah. you, there's a starting running back that's uh, first team All American somewhere at Texas, mm-hmm. Florida, Georgia that they've got what they call a body man on him. Yeah. Dragging his ass. Is that why you see you think like like Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf that they graduate and then all of a sudden the discipline's not there because they don't through the whole time they had somebody telling them what to do. I mean, Ryan Leaf talked about when he subbed in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show, how instead of going to the combine, he decided to go to Vegas or something like and it and it was very innocently but it kind of escalated into all his partying and all that. So my beautiful wife is with us here in the podcast studio today. I love it when she's here. I do too. <laughs> it makes me very happy. So she, one year, Wyatt used to go to Nick Saban football camp every summer in July. At 5.30 a.m., all the players would meet out in front of the the weight room, uh, the more Malmo Moore Athletic Facility, and one of the, the strength coaches would come lo- unlock the door now, when they would go in there to work out at 5.30 a.m., this is in July, mm. you cannot imagine how loud that rap music was in that in that weight room. You can't imagine how loud it was. It Not was like you had Scott it, Cochran there yelling at it, people. It would damn shake every picture in that TV office wall. But, yes, Scott, Co- Scott Cochran was still there. And one of Watts, nobody, I've never told this story before, one of Watts' little buddies that was on his flag football team at that camp his brother was playing wide receiver at Alabama. Mm. 
when they got there one morning during camp, two of the starting players out front got to John back and forth and got in a fist fight. Mm. Wow. And the got it broken up, but the kid's little brother had gone over there with him because his mom and daddy let him stay with brother, the wide receiver at his apartment. Right. So he saw all this. That's not a great idea. And buddy, they were, they were upstairs in, a, in about two seconds. Now, I don't know what happened after the fight broke out and then they got, pulled apart and sent upstairs. I have no idea what happened, but I can imagine, and I think Tamara will probably agree with me, there was about 5 million stadium steps probably run after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, countless. And, Bradley, to answer your uh, – to go back to your previous question, I think it's about Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell, and there's – I mean, there's countless others, but it's like a, a level of professionalism that, like, some people either they just, like, get it or they have to go through something and then they get it. But like, mm-hmm. you have to be able to the discipline that comes with it. Like he was saying, they're dragging you to class or they're making you do this stuff. And then you become a professional mm-hmm. and not only you become a professional, but you, you get a lot of money with becoming a professional. So sure. you have to handle all these different things. Like I see like LeBron lifts weights after the game. And to me, right. that's, to me, that's still really nuts to think about. And they're like, like Dennis Rodman used to do that too. Yeah. yeah. It's like so weird, but like you have to have, that level of professionalism and even the guys that aren't playing are so yeah. professional because they're like one game they may be called to play a lot like Ron Leaf you might be called mm-hmm. to play just like that and if you haven't been constantly training at the level you need to be then you're, it's going to show so well, right. well the thing is too I think in any sport you can probably coast through college high school to college on talent alone right but when you get to that pro league, you can't – and a lot of guys are so used to just relying on talent. I remember I played uh, one professional golf tournament ever, and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. I'm not that good. I finished dead last, actually. You were there. And, Better, I've never pl- – have y'all and, played in a professional golf tournament? I know I have And the guy who finished next to last, I actually played with. Mm-hmm. I was paired with him, and – he was a, a longtime professional golfer that relied on talent alone, in my opinion. And he, had, this was in uh, Greenville, Alabama, a tournament called Alabama Open and sanctioned by the PGA. And he drove the first, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday night, but Friday morning, I was like, man, you look tired. He's like, yeah, I drove last night. I left about eight o'clock and I drove to the casinos in Biloxi. Yeah. Gambled all night. John Daly, John Daly moved. Yeah, exactly. And you just can't. And I feel like a lot of insurance agents, when they go from producer to agency owner or whatever that next level is, Mm -hmm. try to rely on talent alone and they don't build processes around their agency. Hey, look, we're just going to sell a whole lot of insurance and that's going to solve all our problems. I was like, and when you start an agency, that solves your problems for about one year. Right. And then all of a sudden, it starts creating more problems. Sure. And you have to build those processes around it. I'll tell you the other thing I've noticed about people that played sports all the way through high school or college or in Tamron's case, you don't see it very often, but the professional ranks. I think people who play team sports, you learn to get along with a lot of different personalities and a lot of people that are part of what you, you know, when he was at Marshall, Tamron was part of a family, you know, they, 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 they were together all the time. They played ball all the time. They were in the dorms or in their apartment together all the time. 
and you have to learn to get along. And, and I could say the same for a lot, probably even more so for the Marine Corps, but you, you're having to interact with and learn to live with a lot of different personalities and a lot of people. And I think that helps you as you get older and you, and you, you know, get into the business world as you're hiring employees and you're dealing with people because it's just, uh, it, it just gives you this ability to deal with lots of different types of personalities, different mm-hmm. people. I For think, sure. I think there's something to that a little bit. Now, it may not be much, but it's part of the ingredients, whether consciously or subconsciously. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because I will say this, I have two friends that were at your level or better in golf. And one thing I've noticed about golfers, you guys are one click off center. And I well, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's that individual sport. That was the hardest part. That was the part, the hardest part for me to learn going to play college golf because in college golf, it's all about the team. Correct. You know, the, the team that, you know, each tournament, they have a team winner and an individual winner. The right. team winner gets this big old trophy and the individual gets a little bit. And I'm like, this is the guy that like really, you know what I mean, right? And so, it, that was it was a that was a hard thing for me to mm-hmm. to, to learn the team because the reason I flocked towards golf is because it was all on me. I right. like that part of it. That's so individual. Sport. No, I totally agree with what you're saying. So Tamron, we leave Dublin. We've played our career out. We played it to the bone. You're ready to come home, and you get with this staffing service. You find out about insurance. You go with an Allstate. You know, get into the, with the Allstate world. What made you decide to take this leap of faith? And I believe it was October of 2021, which was yeah. <laughs> this time last year, yep. uh, and launch Integrity Insurance Group. I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but I just really love business. So I think my take on insurance could be a little different, but it could be the same. But I found insurance to be a business where you can help as so many people and do so many different things for them. And you can also create whatever you really want to create. I feel like you can have all these different avenues for success in insurance. And as someone that kind of studies other businesses and studies other industries, I would say insurance is really unique in that point. I feel like the you can be successful um, like Bradley and start a kind of a different type of insurance company. You can be like Ryan Hanley and start a whole different type of insurance thing. And there's like, there's so many, you can be captive and be successive successful so that was what drew me to wanting to step out on my own and see what i could build is because i really love business i really love the back end of the business stuff the marketing type of stuff the how to build processes and all that stuff so i just really love business and insurance is one of those businesses where you can help so many people and do some have a big impact on your small community or you can have a big impact on on a bigger pot of a community if you don't go to different states and stuff. So that was my biggest reason for wanting to bring so, that. So many opportunities in insurance. Do you, so many. Yeah. Do you feel like, so I, I related to a lot of what you just said. When I started selling insurance, I liked being a business professional. Yes. Do you feel like, so like I go back to, I'm a huge fan of Shaq. I love that he was in the stands with the fans at the LSU Alabama game. <laughs> Almost as much as the fact that Alabama lost. Sorry, Kim. Uh, So he talks about how he would go into business meetings and feel self-conscious that these other people were sharper than he was. He got his degree. He went and got his degree, right? Do you feel like when you started in business, and I felt this too, not that I was some great athlete, I was average at best, but 
I was like, man, this is actually the big leagues. Yeah. yeah. I can play this game forever. Yeah, These other like, guys who are still chasing this dream, right? they don't know what they're missing out on. I agree with that. I agree with that so much because, like, I mean, I equate business to sport. So it's the sport of business that we've just kind of transitioned to. So I still play a sport. I'm still super competitive. I still um, can do all the stuff that I did as an athlete. I'm just playing a, a different game now. I'm playing a game of business with, you know, you're competing not necessarily so directly with people. You're mainly just competing with yourself and just trying to be better uh-huh. than you were than you were yesterday. I think as long as you can keep that mindset, it's just like, okay, I did X, Y, yesterday to move the business forward what can i do today to keep moving it forward and just trying to just keep staying ahead of stuff like that so yeah i agree with you 100 man I feel- and beating that formidable opponent my team will tell you here when they come to me with a new deal we have on the hook mm-hmm. first thing that i ask who's the other agent i want to know i want to know who i'm beating i want to know who i'm going up against you know what I mean? It's like a, yeah. it's like a thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that competitiveness still can live in you in this business. So I just, if I could do anything, man, I would really love to like talk to more people, more athletes, because I know there's so many people like me that like play the sport and the sport kind of just like uses them for like everything. And then they get done playing the sport and they're like, what the heck do I do now? Like, where can I go? Where's the avenue? So I would love to have like a team of former athletes, whatever sport it is, just former athletes and just teach them like how to transition their competitive competitiveness Mm -hmm into this business and it's almost just like because you can't do anything wrong because like you're helping people and it's like you can help as many people as you can and like then you start figuring out the nuances of like your ideal customer and all that stuff but i think that just comes with uh time and learning the learning the real part of the business but as far as the competitiveness man it's a very seamless transition for people Cameron, we've got we're one year and one month in and i can remember when i was one year and one month in but here's what i want to know as we sit here today, what is this? November seventh. November seventh. November seventh. Tell me about your agency today. What I want to know. We, we've done this for a year and a month. What are we looking like today? Are you still there by yourself, swinging the bat every day, doing service and sales? Have you built a little bit of a team? Tell me where you are today. Well, today I've kind of followed my. I guess I kind of followed my business plan pretty uh, smoothly, but I wanted to go a full year, um, just me, mm. um, to rock with personal lines heavy, and then take year two to kind of learn commercial and figure out commercial and then dive into that more so year two and about quarter three, quarter four, year two. Um, so yes, I'm by myself right now looking to bring on a VA first to kind of trim off some of the service work. Um, and I know everybody does that part different, whether they want to do a VA or whether they want to do a uh, local in-house person or whatever you call it. Um, but I chose VA. I just feel like it was a little smoother, um, less expensive as well. So wanted to do a VA to kind of take some of the service work off of me. Uh, planning on doing that January or just early 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm about 95.5 lines commercial. And a lot of the commercial stuff has been just people knowing me and knowing who I am and wanting sure. to have their business insured with me. And current clients just happen to own a business and stuff like that. So yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, planning on rocking hard with the VA and seeing how far I can push it and then start bringing in people and building a, a true team around what I've already, what my foundation I've built is. 
The VA move is smart because, is. and I made this mistake when I brought on my people. I mean, I didn't have any processes. We were just like figuring it out. Here's here's your desk. Here's your phone. Good luck, son. You're on your own. You know, and <laughs> yeah. And the VA move is smart because when you bring a VA on, you've got to have those processes. Like it forces you to, because I mean, they're literally in another country. And they need you to can't do. just throw it up against the wall. If you do, they're going to be twiddling their thumbs. Right. So I think that that's probably a smart move because then you can really have your processes down. And then what I would probably do, let's say you bring a VA on for service and then you bring an in-house service person, make that service person, the VA's, the VA, the direct report of that service person. Okay. That way you're already Change building man. that corporate management structure early because what and I, I feel into this trap too. I think what a lot of people do is they have a flat culture and you've always done a really great job of this, of having agency managers and that sort of thing. When you have a flat culture, you have eight people that are reporting to the same person. It creates confusion for them and it creates stress for you because you got eight people who every day, three of them are going to need something from you. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So by creating that corporate structure a little earlier, it say it may seem silly, but it saves you a little bit of headache down the road when you're trying to figure out like, what are we going to do? Can I give you a piece of sage advice? Of course. Two things you're going to end up fighting over the years. Okay. I've been doing this for 15 years now with moderate success. The first thing I'm going to say to you, Tamara, it is very challenging when you stay in this industry from the PNC side. Every man and woman that starts out where you are today all say that they want to help people. And that's fantastic. I did the same thing. Bradley, I'm sure, did the same thing. I want to help people. And, and I still to this day want to help people. And I try to help them to the best of my ability. And I go over and above and beyond to try. But you have to really fight you have to really fight inside of yourself after years and years and years of doing this not to become jaded mm -hmm. towards your clients mm -hmm. because there's about three times a week that I literally won't pinch somebody's head off when they call me about something or they're not appreciative of what we do for them or, or whatever. So that's that. Okay. We're going to compartmentalize that for a second. Okay. The other thing that you're going to have to fight after years and years and years of being in this business. And as your agency grows and you continue to add more staff, we've just hired three people in my agency. You're hiring everybody in North Alabama. Uh, everybody in North Alabama. We've hired three people in the past three weeks. Now, granted, some of those people have a combined uh, 35 years of experience in insurance and probably no more than I do, which is, uh, you know, key, key here is to hire great people. And when you reach the level we've reached, I've got to have people that are the best at what they do. And so I had to go out and unload a Brinks truck to bring them in. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we did that, but you have to also fight not becoming jaded towards your employees because it is so easy. And I said this at the one city world tour last year, the people that I have seen fail in this industry allowed themselves to get to a point to where it was me against the employees. All of my employees are out to get me. They, they none of them appreciate what they I do for them. You have to really fight to not let yourself get into that mindset because the three or four people I've known that allowed themselves to get to this me versus them, as far as employees go, all are not in the industry anymore. Mm -hmm. They're all out. So that's the second thing. Now here's the great news. Are you ready for the, for the, the grand finale, the fireworks show? 
For sure. I don't care where you go or what you do in your lifetime. You will never be a part of anything that has better people, finer people, more caring people than the agents that listen to this podcast and the agents that are part that make up the insurance industry that you're going to be friends with who are standing by your side, you will never meet a better group of people than they are. And that's just the damn truth. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you play in the NFL. I don't care if you play in the NBA. I don't care if you work as an accountant. The people in this industry that stand beside you as agency owners are the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And I would put them up against anybody. I'll put them up against Tesla's employees. I'll put them up against Coca-Cola, whoever you want to talk about. They will help you anytime you need help. They will be there for you. You can pick up the phone and call them. And when you see them at industry events over the years, that, that friendship and that relationship will grow. And they are some of the finest human beings on this planet. The end. Full stop. I agree with that. I'm new to the industry and I agree with that. I've had so many guys and girls uh, reach out to me with just pure, just pure intentions and just wanting to help. And absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. it's been really nice. I had no idea it was like that coming from captive. I mean, uh, right. I think both of you have been captive. Yeah, it's yeah. quite the opposite. And then not all of them, but it's just a little different of a, a feel of how helpful people can be with, with nothing in return they need. Like Mitch Gibson, somebody right. who's done so much for me that I've some things that it shocked me that he's took the time to even do uh, right. to help me with. So I agree yeah, with Mitch. That. Mitch is one of the people I'm talking about. There, yeah. there, but 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 he's one of about a thousand mm-hmm. that you could pick up the phone and call and you'd go, holy shit, he answered the phone. Mm-hmm. And if you ask for their help, they're going to help you any way they possibly can. And that is probably the one thing that that keeps me in this industry is just how great this, the group of people are. Well, Bradley's going next week to Napa Valley with uh, four, five, six, seven, eight couples mm-hmm. of insurance people. And it, it just shocks me all the time at how wonderful this group is that a lot of them, most of them are listening to this podcast right now. And they are just fantastic people well, and they're always there for you. I'll tell you something too, man. When So when I was at, when I was captive, one of the reasons that I... One of the things that kept me there a few years longer than it should have was the community and the people and the relationships that I built. And I've talked about this before. I had no idea the relationships on the other side of that, right? right. of like times a thousand. And I'm still friends with most of the people, you know, what you find when you leave a company, you know, when you leave a company, you get blamed for everything, even when the power goes out, everything's your fault, right? Uh, But (laughs) what you find is the people that want to continue a relationship with you will take an effort to continue a relationship. And the people who really don't, who it was just a relationship out of convenience are the ones that are blaming the power going out on you. Right, right. And you find that out really fast, but, but it, it, you're, you're correct. You're correct with the community. And, and according to, you know, Hanley's a good buddy of mine. It hasn't always been that way. I think it's gotten better in the last 10 years I would agree. I would where agree. people have more of an abundance mindset and are willing to have a conversation with folks. And, and, and if, we, I mean, and if we've been a small part of that, then I'm very proud of that. Yeah. And I now, think we have yeah. or not, I I'm, don't know, but I'm thinking about man, like the people that have declined coming on the show, um, reaching back out to them. No, I'm thinking about like, like we've like, we've asked people to come on and share Aunt B's secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. I think I can think of two people that have declined. One was a non-compete. The other was the head of the insurance department at one of the biggest companies in the world and just said he didn't want to 
do that, right. <laughs> which I completely understand sure. both. But Tamron, you're in the thick of this. I remember exactly where I was at 13 months in. We have a lot of listeners that are employees of agencies correct, or captive and are thinking about starting their own agency. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons they listen to the show. What would your advice be to them? Mm, great question. That is a, a great question. My advice, honestly, man, would be to to first, before you do what so many people have done and take that leap and go and start your own agency, whether that be captive or independent or however you want to do it, I would do some serious just thinking about like how you envision your agency being, what kind of agency you want to build. Um, because like Scott said earlier, you can't just jump in and sell a bunch of insurance and think, you know what, everything's uh-huh. going to be okay because there's so many. Uh, something that I didn't even take account for was how much my actual clients would need me. So I was thinking like, okay, I sell Bradley today. I won't hear from him until his renewal. He may need, you know, two things every now and then, but other than that, I won't hear from him. But I get so many just like calls from my current clients that I didn't really expect to get. So there's just so many like twists and turns that you may run into um, that you'll need to figure out kind of going into it that, hey, this could happen. There may be a week where I don't get to talk to anybody about selling insurance because I'm talking to the big client base that I have about their current policy. So there's just so many things you want to take into consideration before starting an agency. And I would honestly, and I know you all have talked about this before, but your own tolerance of risk, because you are going to go down a little bit on what you were earning potentially. Because if you worked for Allstate, they no, could not potentially, you're going to do it. <laughs> you're going to go down because you're spending so much money because you could be making a lot, but you're spending a lot. Yeah. And, well, and that's and that's like my point, man. Like, I think you really have to dive into why do I want to start this business? Right. Like, do some soul searching and figure out why you want to do this. Because if the reason is to make more money or sell more insurance, you can make more money and sell more insurance working for somebody else. Yeah. That and can't be the reason you're doing it. And I know I've said that before, but that's something yeah. I really believe in. So two more, two more questions. What's the hardest thing that you dealt with? And what's the easiest? Ooh, I'll go with the, the hardest first. I always start with that. So I would say the hardest thing I've dealt with is uh, building out the structure and trying to compete with myself on whether I want to um, have a good cash flow or, uh, you know, scale quicker. So like that constant battle, because I mean, I mean, like everybody, I have a family, so I'm like, I need to make some money, um, need to have some cash flow, but I also want to scale so I can see down the road the cash flow being even bigger if we put more money into it earlier. So that's probably the hardest thing that you just kind of battle with yourself, like what makes more sense. Um, and I've I've read one of your tweets about the best way to like do this insurance thing and to own it is probably to take yourself out of the sales spot as quick as you can. But with the flip side to that is you're spending more than you might be able to at the beginning. So that's the the double-edged sword. So that fight is probably the hardest thing that I'm having to deal with right now. Like what's important and what do I need to spend the money on? The easiest part which is going to sound weird, but the easiest part for me is just showing up. I feel like that's just the super, it's been super easy for me. Do it every day. 
just show up and just uh, get every there and yeah. answer the phone, call people, network yeah. with people I need to network with. Because I feel like for some people, that could be the hardest part, um, just because like you don't have anybody to make you come into the office besides kind of yourself. So for me, that's really the easiest part is just, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to expect good things to happen. And I feel like good things have happened just mm-hmm. because showing up. Somebody might have walked in and I sold them a big policy just because I was here. But if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have got that. So, so that's the easiest part. Do you know how hot my wife is? Do you know how hard it is every morning to me to get up and have to go? <laughs> I, I've already got I've already got 67 freaking emails by 7 a.m. Uh, by 8 a.m. I've had three employees call me with a problem and four clients have either emailed or texted me not to mention 17 marketing managers that have sent out updates for state auto and travelers the, and the louisiana insurance commissioner the in, the freaking louisiana insurance commissioner who's like crazy ex-girlfriend that i'm gonna have to send a freaking restraining order out on uh that son of a gun sends out an email about every 14 hours about the state of the union for louisiana's insurance you know people my friends that are single will talk about having a dry phone like man my phone is real dry tonight Right. If you're if you have an insurance license, in Louisiana, your phone is never dry. Never. Louisiana yeah, insurance commissioner. I swear he he emails sometimes and says, "Y'all up? Yeah, y'all up? Yeah, y'all ready? I got some more bulletins I need to send you today. Yeah, look, Louisiana needs to chill out. He is making sure everybody knows he is working. A, a, like, a billion percent. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Oh my god. Tamara, Tamara, <laughs> bring him on the show. We oh, should leave the show. Just bust his yeah, boss. He sent an email the other day to let everybody know he was going to London. Yeah. To right, meet right, with right. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we should bring him on the show in like the first five minutes. Like tell him before, hey, we're gonna bust your balls for a minute, but it's okay. We're just kidding with you. Uh, Tamron, here's my question. You want to hear my question? Go ahead. What can Bradley and I help you with? I was just going to ask, do I get to ask one question, at least one question? Yeah, man, you get to ask all the questions you want. Man, Fire honestly, away. there's there's so much. But I think I want to um, kind of help people in my position, either whether they're just starting or they're like two years in or whatever. I would love to ask both of you if you can go back to starting your agency, which I know, Bradley, you started yours a little sooner than Scott did. So, Scott, you have to go back a little farther. But can you go back and um, just kind of give advice on how you all got over that hump? Because I feel like in the beginning, there's like a there's a hump you have to get over, whether it's uh, like I said, either the scale versus the cash flow problem or just how are we going to even get new business? Like, where do we go from here? So how did you all get over that first little hump? That you hit. You want to go first? Yes. Me too. Okay. So I have a wonderful wife that was willing to pay the bills for 24 months so that I could hire people day one. Mm -hmm. And and, And the answer is hiring people. But I had to say that first part because I was in a situation that allowed me to do that. A lot of people aren't. And I'm empathetic to that and and recognize that I'm lucky in that respect. But being hiring people to do the things that I didn't want to do combined with taking myself out of production as fast as possible would be, that's it. The mistakes I made, I told you in the beginning, the process and the corporate structure. With yourself, removing yourself as quick as mm-hmm. you could, but mm-hmm. you being, which is exactly where I'm at kind of now. So like when you remove yourself and you're also still kind of the face of portal, kind of just because, I mean, I mean, just naturally, um, how do you get around the fact that, oh, no, I don't want to speak to Tommy. I want to speak to Bradley. But how do you uh, get around a couple, couple ways? 
Uh, the first thing you have to do when you remove yourself from the selling process to have your team do it, you know that feeling you get? Are you, what, what CRM are you on? Uh, agency Zoom. Okay, you know that feeling you get when you pull the client to sold and the confetti goes off? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that dopamine hit you get? Right. Yeah. You have to remove yourself from that. You have to get over that. Right. I've talked to several agents about this, Correct. and they're like, I still sell. And I know I don't need to sell, but the reason I sell is because I like moving that policy to sold. Everybody in the office gets emailed and the confetti goes off. <laughs> you have to get over that. And yeah. what you have to do is you have to trick your brain to feel that when somebody else sells it. Correct. That's what you, that's the first thing. But honestly, just to, have you ever called my cell phone? Mm-mm. When you call my cell phone, it says, if you're calling to buy insurance, I have eight people back at my office at 251 It's the longest. It's it's the Guinness Book of World Records longest it, voicemail I've ever heard in my life. We should life. play some of the voicemails. Did, so, you, did you hear my voicemail? I did. Voicemail? I did. So I told him I was Mr. McKenzie with the Guinness Book of World Records. Congratulations. <laughs> you have officially won yeah. longest voicemail in the history of the world. It basically says... I've got an idea we're going to do. It's going to be hilarious. But it basically says I've got eight people back at my office that are all experts in selling insurance and they're way better than I am at it. If you need to buy insurance, they're the ones you need to talk to. That's kind of a of a of an indication of how we did it. Basically, if somebody called and wanted to demanded to talk to me, I'll take that call. Hey, look, Jeffrey's handling this for you. He's the best in the world at car insurance. I'm going to pass this off to him. But if you have any questions, and then every now and then we 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 don't this doesn't happen anymore. We would have somebody that just really demanded I do it. I would take the info. I'd pass it to the producer. It'd come back to me. I'd say, okay, this is how much it is. Okay, I want to buy it. Pass it back to the producer. You just have to deal with those things. Yeah. But pretty pretty simple, you know, pretty simple. But my voicemail, can I go into this real quick? Please. Because I had planned on doing this anyway, and I Please. forgot. So my voicemail, so I took two months off when Luke was born, and I had a family member call me, or excuse me, a family member that we insured, reached uh, Laurel's family, reached out to Laurel, and basically said, I called Brownie's office and nobody answered the phone. It went to voicemail. That was my Yoda. Right, right. And, <laughs> and so immediately. Remember I, what I said about how easy it is to get jaded yeah, yeah. towards clients? Yeah, exactly. And I immediately went into recon mode, right? I'm trying to figure out what what's wrong. They called me at 2.30 in the afternoon. Somebody should, I mean, I go into like looking at light speed voice and like trying to figure out. They called my cell phone. Mm. like you did not follow instructions like you you call my cell phone so i did basically did this voicemail i'm not gonna play the voicemail but i have this voicemail that it's long because i'm basically saying hey if you want this go here if you want this go here if you need this go here it's it's basically it's a little dickish but it's (laughs) i was pissed off when i did and it's like hey go here go here go here it actually says at one point tamarin if you want to buy insurance, buying it from me and demanding that I do it is the worst possible way to buy it from Portal, which is 100% true. I'm going to screw it up every single time. Bear Bryant said he needed his assistants to be better at that position than he was because if they weren't, he did not need them. Same exact thing at Portal. Everybody that I have is better at something than I am. And Anyway, so I did this voicemail. So I get a lot of hilarious response i have a ton of just and, it, and basically it says hey look if you listen to all that and you still need to talk to me please leave a voicemail i will call you back <laughs> so i will say this to piggyback off what bradley said for me it has always been a feeling that i had in my gut from the from the very beginning and on episode two of the insurance guys podcast 
Bradley and I talked about starting your own independent agency or insurance agency. And I, and I said this, when I was at half a million dollars in annualized premium, half a million, 500,000, I started getting the feeling I was by myself, just like you are. I started getting the feeling that I was spending an enormous amount of time servicing the clients that I already had sold by myself. And I knew that in order for me to get to the next, because this is like the game candy land, right? You're, you're trying to get from the starting line and over the years, over a 25, 30 year career, you're trying to get all the way up to the finish line. And when I got to that half a million point, which in my opinion is about four or five steps into the game Candyland, I looked at myself and I thought to myself, there is no way I can get to $1 million in premium by myself. It's an impossibility. Now, let me, let me, let me move forward for you. Okay. Bradley and I had this conversation at lunch. There are a lot of agents listening to this. I just had that same feeling again about a month ago. And I realized that in order for me to get to $12 million in premium, which is about where we are today, that I needed to hire the best possible people I could hire in this industry to take our agency to that next level. And that's why I have gone on this. And my beautiful wife is sitting here today. And that's another puzzle piece is the support and love that she's given me to allow me to have some freedom to think about this for long periods of time. But I know that in order for us to get to that next plateau, which to me is $20 million in premium, mm -hmm. I had to bring in the best possible people I could bring in. And I no longer could hire in, uh, inexperienced people. They had to be people that had been doing this a long time and had a track record of success. So that's, that was a feeling that I got again about uh, three months ago. I had this feeling that, okay, we're at 12 million today. How are we going to get to 20 million? Well, it ain't staying where we are today. You almost, it's kind of like you and Bradley said, when you start an independent agency, you have to go backwards to go forwards. So next year I won't be able to make as much money, but in three years, when we're at $20 million in premium, well, you do the math there and figure out where I'll be then. So, and I guess the one piece of the puzzle that's different for me than it is for Bradley I have never removed myself. I have I have removed myself from the day-to-day -day yeah, sale. You don't get I, in the I, weeds. I don't I don't get on PL rating and and quote insurance and and, and go to uh, Amwins, RPS, RT specialty and do accord forms. I don't do that. I'm not in that. But where I've never removed myself and I think I owe this to both my agency force and my clients is I've never removed myself from the day-to-day -day clients pissed off, claim didn't go well. I've always said that's the time that we as agency owners need to shine because the only freaking reason anybody ever buys an insurance policy is when a claim occurs. And so I, I give my agency force the third base sign to say, Scott, I got to get you out of the bullpen right now to handle this. I can't mm -hmm. handle this. This is too much for me to handle. And so that's where I've never removed myself from the process is the operational side of the accountability. You know, Billy Williams, our friend and great American says this, an agency owner 
should focus on three things and three things only. I don't, I'm going to add a fourth thing to this. He says, number one, hiring, hiring the very best people possible. Number two, training, training your staff and, and, and policies, procedures, how to do things correctly. And then the third and last leg of that for him is accountability. I add four in there because the fourth leg of that to me is being there for your clients when a, pol- a claim doesn't get paid, they're mad, they're upset, and they want somebody that has some firepower behind them to be able to do what I can do in those particular situations, which is whether it's hiring, you know, help them hire an attorney to fight the claim or go out and uh, get in touch with the the director of all uh, adjusting for traveler's insurance. But I feel like I owe that to them to do that. So I guess if you're asking me, you know, how I handled things, it's always kind of been a little bit of a gut feeling on my part when I felt like we were ready to take that next step. Knowing the pulse, feeling the pulse. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And you, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. Get to this point where you're like, God, we got to have another. Video. We're kind of there too. We're kind of there too. I feel like a lot of agency owners get to that 10 ish million and it's really easy to plateau and just kind of rest on your, right. your laurels. You're making and- pretty good money. Yeah, uh, but I commend you for doubling down and saying no. We're gonna push and, and all, all the chips you know, are in the center. Yeah. All the chips are in the center of the ta- in the center of the table right now. We'll see how it goes. But one thing Mike Stromso taught me too, Tamer, that I want to pass along to you: when you hire somebody, I just hired a sixteen year sixteen year veteran commercial account manager slash marketing manager. Now she's done it all, seen it all, been through it all. She has all the relationships uh, with underwriters and people like that. She knows more about insurance than I do. I paid her $70,000 a year with an $8,000 sign-on bonus. So November the 10th, which I think is Thursday, direct deposited in her account will be, will be $8,000. How mad were they to lose her? And and she came from the biggest, baddest firm that we have in Huntsville, Alabama. She was the principal agent's right-hand woman. I don't look at it the way everybody. Yet. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. How's that go? We, we've already done press releases and all kinds of Oh, that's, that's the one. That's, that's, gotcha. that's a done deal. I'm, I'm going to say this to you, though, Tamron. Something Mike Strom so t- taught me that I want everybody in this listening to this to learn. I don't look at that as a $78,000 transaction. Because here's the thing. The only person that can fire her is her. But if she gets in here with us and for whatever reason it doesn't work out, I'm going to know that between 90 days and 180 days. So worst possible case scenario for me is I've just paid somebody for four or five months and then we're going to quickly decide this isn't the right fit for both of us. So I'm not on the hook for $78,000. Conversely to that, knowing what I know that she knows, this could very easily turn into a very quickly a transaction where she does pay for herself. Mm -hmm. And I won't go into detail. If you end up paying the whole 78, it's it's because it benefited. Because it it was way worth 78, probably worth 10 times 78,000. I have a quick question before we go. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. If you, if you hire somebody and let's say you tell you, you step out there and you say, I'm going to pay you $50,000 a year. Hell, I don't have 50,000. 
But you do have renewals starting to come in this month uh-huh. from last year. He, Remember that's year and month. Year and a month means he's got for me. Renewals. For me, the thirteenth month was circled on the calendar. I knew that's exactly right. when everything was going to start hitting. But but that doesn't mean you're on the hook for fifty eight thousand if they just come in and completely shit the bed and y'all have to part ways after three months. Mm-hmm. Maybe it only cost you ten thousand dollars. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. If you but you got to be willing to have that conversation if it's not working oh, out. Too. You can't let them. That's okay. where a lot of people screw up. But 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 more money, more money, the quicker that conversation's happening. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, you know, you start paying somebody closing in on a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh huh. You 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 don't mind having that conversation faster. <laughs> I, got a, I got a question for you. We got to wrap up here in a second. You can kind of tell when somebody's not going to work out. Sure can. What's the quickest? Brandon. <laughs> Brandon's working out great. No, I'm teasing. Uh, I love giving Brandon. I have an answer for the. I have my answer to this, but okay. I want to hear yours. Okay. What's the quickest you've ever been able to tell that somebody wasn't going to work out on this week's episode of the Insurance Guys podcast? This week, meaning today's November the seventh, the one so that drops two, this week. The one that drops this week. Last week, the wheels on the plane landed. In Phoenix, Arizona. Now, when the wheels landed, everybody you told Clint it was time to part away. I'm kidding. And, and when the wheels land on the tarmac, what's the first thing everybody does? They turn their phone back on and their phones start working, uh, right? I was you gonna say how, clap, yeah. but I'm, but but I'm you know joking. how you know how everybody's phone starts bling 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 bling. I my the wheels on that plane landed in Phoenix, Arizona, and Clint was sitting on the window seat behind me and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said she just quit. And uh, that girl had been with us for about three months. And when I got on the plane, I was the very last person on the plane in Huntsville, Alabama, because I was chewing her ass for about (laughs) 10 minutes that morning. And so I, we had gotten together with my management group in the Delta lounge in Atlanta and had voted to, for me to fire her the next morning. Mm. Now this was a three month, this she'd been with us three months, three months. And when those damn wheels hit the ground in Phoenix, Arizona, and that phone came back on, she had resigned. Yeah. So I guess I guess to answer your question, three months. You're going to know one way or another. Yeah. More than likely in your heart, in your heart. Yeah. At about the three months. That's really what I'm talking about. And I tell my beautiful wife this all the time, guys. If you got kids out there that are dating, mm. it takes about nine. Any guy in the world, if I die in a fiery plane crash tomorrow, this is what I told my wife. I said you're going to start dating at some point. You're going to want to date different people. Mm-hmm. Any guy in the world can fake the funk for 90 days. They will do shit for you. They will act a certain way, take you to dinner, open the door. Of course, we all know what they're trying to get after, right? But at about 90 days, what do they do? They'll start they'll, they'll start showing some red flags. What you're saying? What I'm saying you, you is gotta let your freak flag fly. You 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 got to let your freak flag and that's one thing she and I both agreed on when we started dating was let's just be ourselves from the beginning and then we don't have to later on go, "Well, wait, wait a minute. Why why are you you didn't do that before we got married? Why are you doing that now?" Wait a minute. So you were bully Scott Howell from the beginning. She's sitting right over there. <laughs> God bless you. You knew it was meant to be, didn't you? Lord it's, have mercy. It's a lot, but yeah. it's I, I, I don't mean that to offend you. It's a lot. It is, but I don't. You were something else. I, I don't have to, Probably she probably fell in love with your humor and, you know. Well, I don't, well, I don't your almost marriage has lasted long, Bradley. Your all's. Do what now? Oh, you're, our marriage? Yeah. yeah, you and Scott has lasted yeah. long. So. Well, you even the first time you and I hung out, you were a little more buttoned up. 
Then the second oh, time okay. was I, the second time you come up with the evil Knievel shirt on. I'm like smoking a cigarette out in the parking lot. Like, Who right. the heck is this guy? Well, I think though I have I'm am a little more buttoned up off the podcast because of yeah. the energy level and the WWE thing. But yeah, I'm not as yeah. like I am. But now sometimes you're you really good at knowing when to turn it on. Turn yeah. yeah. Right. So my mine was one day. One day. Well, actually one hour. Right. So I had had somebody start that's no longer with us that get to the office. Hey, welcome aboard. Handshake. Give me just a minute to make a cup of coffee and I'll meet with you in my office. This is you talking to them. Yeah. Give me a couple minutes. I'll meet with you in my office. And walks in. And as he is walking in the door, cracks a joke, an inappropriate joke. Oh, boy. About another employee. Oh, boy. And in, in my head, I said... Yeah, this ain't gonna work out. Yeah. Because if you're willing to do that, right. You know what I mean? And I will, against my better judgment, did not fire him that day, that minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have done that now. Sure. Um, not sure. for that reason, more just, hey, look, I just really I don't just think this is gonna, gonna yeah. Uh sure. lasted about three months. I have seen um, I have seen an agency owner who I consider a friend, and he's a pretty good insurance agent, keep an employee for four years that should have been fired the first three months they were mm-hmm. on staff. Yeah. And I think part of that is just not having the courage to walk in and go hundred percent. You don't belong here and we're going a different way yeah. and, and, and not wanting to go out into the big, bad world and have to hire more well, people. What you have, it's hard to hire great people. What you have to remember too is, is if you are doing that, you are not doing them any favors, right? You're actually doing them a favor by saying, Hey, we need to cut ties because that's going to make them introspect and say, what did I do wrong? Hopefully versus making them think I'm doing, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully it's like Dave Ramsey says to be unclear is to be unkind, right? Hey, look, just letting you know, this is, let me say this. I just hired three. I, I, I hope, three great people to represent our agency for different roles and clearly defined roles. My own wife, who is sitting seven feet away from me right now, does not know the links that I went to to recruit these people to our agency and the time, the hours and hours spent on phone calls and in-home recruiting visits. It was an up-at-dawn, pride-swallowing siege to take them from, in some case, two of them had been at an agency for 16 years. And, 16 years is a long freaking time. And in a few weeks, we're going to break down exactly what you did on right. a future episode. So right. subscribe on YouTube if you want to see that. Tamron, thank you so much for being a part of our world and a part of our family. Now, tomorrow, this episode won't come out for a while, but tomorrow, Bradley and I are going to record four episodes of the Insurance Guys podcast. On one of those episodes, Bradley Flowers is going to give me the green light, thumbs up, or red light, thumbs down, on whether I am going to sue the Florida Department of Financial Services Division of Consumer Services. So stay tuned for that. I have Let's my get lawyers them and the DOI commissioner from I, Louisiana. I have my lawyers on standby waiting to file the lawsuit. And Bradley Flowers is going to hear that story and give me the green light, hopefully 
to fire down on a lawsuit. Tamron, if there is anything you need, please pick up the phone and call me or call Bradley or email us or whatever you need. Let us know, okay? Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate this. Uh, I cannot wait. Bradley, can you put a calendar reminder to have him back on this Absolutely. time next year? Absolutely. I want to hear. I think his life is going to uh, change dramatically this year. And I agree. I bet you this time next year, uh, he may be too big for us this time next no, year. No, he's too big for us. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna get. Let me let me guess. This time next year, be two full years, over a million in premium, and two employees, maybe two and a half, two and a part time. We'll see. Oh, I'd love that. I would too, guys. You were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. And as I say and end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world. The number one thing that Tamron has got to do above anything else in his life right now is get into that, go out into that big, bad world and build relationships, become the mayor of his village, of his, of his town that he lives in, sling business cards and make sure that every single person in a 30 mile radius of that office that he is sitting in right now knows the next time they need insurance. You know what? I know a guy that I met last week that sells insurance named Tamron. He gave me a business card. That is his number one goal right now is to build relationships and let every single human being know that he is the insurance guy in his community. I wish you luck. I love you. And if there's anything I can do to help, reach out, okay? Thank you, guys. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Bradley Flowers. I love you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Tamron. We'll see you guys real soon on the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.